All right. We're going to be over in Mark chapter 5. How many of you did any research on the stuff we were looking at on Sunday about that uh, cap and trade bill? Anybody take, go and take a look at that? We were talking about it on Sunday. Make sure you go out there and take a look at it. For anyone who is looking to sell their house, if this bill is passed, you will have a very difficult time. You will have to do an awful lot of stuff to your house. You've got to green it up and you can spend all kinds of money. And there is no limit to how much you'd have to spend to get that house greened up. So make sure that you, you check that out. If that doesn't get you mad enough, check out all the other thousands of things that are in there to regulate your life and cost you money. Because there is a lot in there. So they... That's, that's a different thing about painting the roofs. That's a whole different different one there, but... Once you uh, find out all the things that are in that, ask your congressman, not your senator, they haven't voted on it yet, but ask your congressman how they could possibly have voted on this. You can go look them up, find out which ones voted for it, which ones voted against it. Check it out. 217 voted for it, I think it was. And there was about four more than they needed. Four or five more than they needed to get it passed. But but, uh, there was a number of Let's say there's eight Republicans who switched over because it's really a Democrat bill. Eight, re- eight Republicans who switched over. You had two from Jersey. And there were a number of Democrats who switched as well from voting for it to voting against it. They felt like they could probably vote against it. And since it wasn't necess- their vote wasn't necessary, they could get away with it. But it is primarily a Democrat bill. And that's why they uh, it's... it's it's divided out on that. But make sure you check those things out. Give your guys a call and let them know what you think about it because if it does go to the president's desk, it will be signed. And that would be for any... Uh, either of the two we had going last year, both of them would have signed it. So it's not like we... Uh, uh, that the election had anything to do with that. But anyway, this is this is out there. And uh, anybody do any looking up on it at all? Phyllis said she saw some stuff on it. I'll tell you, you really got to get out there and take a look at some of these things. There is so much stuff being done to control your life right now. Other stuff is out there as well as this. This isn't the only thing that's that's out there. There's also a uh, a uh, bill in the Congress right now. I forget whether this one starts in the Senate or if it also starts in the House for the the uh, government to take over all of the bodies of fresh water in the country. They will take over all of them. So if you have some water on your property, you will then be regulated from there on out by the Senate or the Congress as to what you can do with that property. Any body of water. If you have a pond on your property, your property will now be regulated as to what you can do with that property. Yes, if it goes through. It hasn't gone through yet, but it's up. What's that? I believe it is a reservoir of water, so it has to be a pond or a lake, and it wouldn't just be a, a, a creek or something like that. I think that's how it is. But again, it's, I just started hearing about it this week. It is out there. It is on the, on the books, and you can now go out there and find some things about it. It is incredible how much this year our freedom has, has been attacked, and uh, just normal freedoms. Please... Uh, Please make sure you look these things up because if they go away, they would be pretty hard to get back.
All right, we're going to be in Mark, Mark chapter 5. We've been looking at the ideas of the, the areas of prayer. We looked at, of course, the prayer of petition, prayer of dedication. We compared those. That the prayer of petition is not a real long prayer. It's not something you spend a whole lot of time of prayer in. Prayer of dedication you can spend a little bit more time in, but you really don't need to, to spend some days and days of it. It just you just need to get in prayer and get yourself lined up for the to dedicate yourself to whatever will, whatever purpose God has for you in that. So as long as it takes for you to get obedient, you know you stay in prayer for that time. Prayed about looked at the prayer of supplication, prayer of intercession. And again, most of the times we see these things going on in the Word, they were not half a day. They were not, not real lengthy periods of time. Looked at praying in tongues. You can spend a good bit of time praying there. That certainly is a, a good place to, to spend some time for. But today we want to take a look at expectation in prayer. That Sometimes we've, we forget some of the things that go on in the area of expectation. And we let them go by the wayside. So we're going to look at a story here that demonstrates expectation probably better than anything else. And it's a story very familiar to you, so we don't really have to spend a whole lot of time teaching the story. But over in verse chapter, verse 21 of chapter 5, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death, come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him, told him all that was all told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. But we see that she came and she had an expectation. Her expectation, in fact, I put in your outline there, William's translations of this. Translated this way, For she kept saying, If I can only touch his clothes, I shall get well. She didn't just say it one time. She kept saying it. Over and over she's saying this. If I can only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. If I can only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She kept saying that over and over and over and over and over. She was expecting that this was going to happen. Expectation, when we have expectation, it produces something out of our mouth. You can't just uh, keep quiet about expectation. You have expectation, you generally say something about it. If you're excited about something that's going to happen at work, you generally say something about it. If you're excited about something that's going to happen at school... If you're excited about something that's going to happen at home, something that's going to happen in the family, you generally are talking about it. You're saying something about it. Even in the sports world, get excited about something that's happening in the sports world, you usually say something about it. You usually speak it out. Expectation produces us to say something. And it did this for her too. She began to say it. 
Most times we find us or find ourselves falling into the other side where we begin to ex- we begin to say negative things because it's easier to expect negative things than it is to expect positive. It is harder to expect positive. You got to keep feeding on positive things. It's it's real easy to believe that bad things are going to happen to you, and sometimes we adopt the idea that well, if I expect bad things to happen, then if they don't, I'll feel good. I feel better about it because the bad thing didn't happen. Oh, I know I won't get that. Then if I do get it, I'll be excited. But if I don't get it, I haven't set my hopes up real high. Well, that's not what you want to do. That's not what the Bible teaches. We need to find out what the Bible teaches and go after it and do what it says. This woman wasn't sitting around thinking, well, if I keep saying I'm going to get well and I don't, I'm going to be really disappointed. She said, no, if I can only touch his clothes. The only question here is whether I can get close enough to touch his clothes. If I can touch his clothes, I know I'll be made well. That was it. So we have actions of expectation. Here are some of the actions we listed here in your outline. Are my actions of, first off, habit? Do I have actions of habit? I always do it. How many actions do you have that are just habit? You get up in the morning, don't you have a couple of habitual things that you do? Just always do it. Just got a routine, this is what you go, this is how you go through it. When you get in your car, do you have certain things that you always do as a habit? How do you start off your morning? How do you end your day? What kind of things do you do? What's your habit? We all like habits. I mean, I like habits. I love routines. Routines are nice. You know, it always happens this way. And of course, when the kids are younger, you don't, they're not into a routine, so therefore you're not into a routine. And as they get older, they get into a routine. You can get them stuck into a routine, so then you can stay stuck in your routine. <laughs> a lot of times we just like that, that way of doing things. Well, there's actions of habit. I always do it. Why do you pray that way? I always do. Should you? Well, I don't know, but that's how I always do it. We have a lot of things we just do out of habit. And I don't necessarily know why I do it, but that's how I do it. I always pray this way. When I ask God, I when I want healing, I always ask God for healing. Why do you ask God for healing? I don't know. I always do. Nobody in the Word of God asks God for healing. But I always do. That's because that's what's, what it was. How do you read and study the Bible? Well, I just open it up and see where I go. Habit. Not all habits are bad. Don't get the idea that you've got to change all your habits and everything must be spontaneous. Not necessarily. Jesus even had his customs. Paul had his customs. They used to, in the synagogue, that's where they were on the Sabbath. They get there on the Sabbath, it says as their custom was, they'd be in the synagogue. Now, that's a good thing. There are some things that are just a good habit to have. And it's, it's not bad. If you have a habit when you get in your car to always check the fuel gauge, that's probably a good habit to have. Might bail you out sometime. Making sure that you, that you do that and take care of those things. So habits are not always bad. They can be good. But they can also trap you and keep you from doing the things that you're supposed to be doing. Sometimes we have actions of duty. I have to do it. It's not that I always do it, it's just that I have to do it. It's duty. Why do you go to work? I have to do it. If I don't go to work, I don't get paid. If I don't get paid, I can't do this. I have to do it. So we got a lot of things we do out of duty and sometimes we're doing things with God out of duty. Why do you do that for God? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm supposed to. I think I'm... 
think God wants me to do that. So I don't know that He wants me to do that, but it's uh, it's a duty I have. It's something I feel like God wants me to do, and we get on out there and we do it. Habits, actions of habit, actions of duty. And then we have the third one. That's actions of faith. These are things that I desire to do. Habit, I always do it. Duty, I have to do it. And faith, I desire to do it. I desire. This lady did not have to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Didn't have to do it. It's not a habit of hers. It's not a duty. It's just a desire. I want to get well. And if I do this, this will do it. This will get it for me. So there's a desire. So the Word of God needs to come into us and feed desire on the inside. I have desire for that thing. Therefore, I have faith for it. And I'm going to have actions born out of that faith. They're going to be born out of desire. I want to do that. I want to get that done. And in the area of prayer, we've got to make sure that we keep expectation in there. That we keep desire. That we keep faith. I desire that in prayer. I want that in prayer. So I'm going to study how should I pray? What should I do? Am I doing things in prayer out of duty? Am I doing things in prayer out of habit? A lot of times people have a lot of phrases that they use in prayer. And Jesus, when He taught on prayer, He says, when you pray, don't be like the the uh, Pharisees, the Sadducees and such, and the heathens and all these sort of things. And they, they uh, think they'll be heard because of their many words and their repetitious phrases. And what do we do? We go right out there and we use the repetitious phrases. And we just say the things that we're supposed to do. And we have all, I heard someone else pray this way, I'm going to pray that way too. That's probably a good prayer. No, you don't want to be doing that. Actions of habit, actions of duty, and actions of faith. Then there's actions of experimentation. Experimentation. I'm not sure what's up here, but maybe... If I do blank, it might happen. That's an action of experimentation. You know, when you're working on something at home and it's not, home's not quite working right, something's not quite going right. If you have something going on with the car, the car's not doing what it's supposed to do, you need to do something different, you have ex- actions of experimentation. Something ought to work. I'm going to try this. Maybe if I do this, it might work. It might happen. And so sometimes we take, we carry over those actions of experimentation into prayer. We're not having actions of expectation. We're having actions of experimentation. I'm going to try, I never prayed this way. I'm going to start off my prayer instead of praying this way. I'm going to pray this way. Instead of ending my prayer this way, I'm going to end my prayer this way. Maybe that'll make it work. We have actions of experimentation. I'm just trying it out. I'm going to see if this works. And we hear some preacher get up. And they say, well, I did this. I did it this way. You know, that was uh, one of those guys out there who was real big about, he, uh, he got a revelation, he got something from God, and he started calling money to come forth to him. And then people heard that and said, oh, I haven't tried that yet. I'm going to try that one. We have actions of experimentation. You've heard it before. People say, if you give in to my ministry... You'll get a harvest. Oh, I've never given to his ministry before or her ministry before. I guess I'll give that a try. I haven't done it before. Maybe it'll work. We have actions of expectation or experimentation. That's not faith. That's just experimenting. I'm just going to try this. 
Let's see if I mix a little bit of this in here. I've done A and B, but I haven't added a little bit of C in. Maybe if I add a little bit of C in, maybe that'll help out. Or maybe if I get rid of the B and just have A and C. We're experimenting. We're trying to figure out that formula. Because we, you know, we, we understand how formulas work in some areas of life. Maybe it's a formula we need with God. We're not having ex- expectation. I'm experimenting. I'm going to try this. Maybe if I pray this way. Maybe if I just use the name of Jesus and don't pray in anything else. Maybe if I just command the thing. To, and we're just experimenting. I don't know. I don't know it. Maybe if I do this, it might happen. Instead of what the lady was doing, if I do this, this will happen. If I do this, this will happen. That's where we need to get to when we get into prayer. That I know. If we have the idea of expectation, faith, and desire, and we had those elements in with our prayer, we wouldn't be experimenting as much. We wouldn't be praying as long. A lot of times we're praying long because we just figure like, I haven't done the right routine. I haven't got the right thing added in. Don't have the right ingredient. I need one more thing. Only ingredient you need to make your prayers work is faith. But it needs to be God's faith, which is faith built from the Word of God. So I've got to get into the Word of God more. If the thing isn't working, get into the Word of God more. Dig it out. Figure it out. Meditate on it. Find out. This, this woman meditated on some things and got to a place where she said, I know. She kept saying, kept saying, going over and over. If I just touch the hem of His garment, I know I will be healed. I don't think I might be healed. She didn't say, I think I might be healed if I do that. She said, I know I will be healed. It doesn't say that she thought this. It says she said it. Which means there's probably some people around here and she was going up to them, I know if I can get close enough and I can touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. Now, if you say that to enough people, what will happen? You'll get people who will say, that won't work. No, that's not, that's not going to work. You think that's going to make a difference? Come on. How many people do you think that you would have to say a thing like this, I know if I do this, this will happen. How many people do you need to say that to before you get somebody to say something negative? One. <laughs> We've got one more than one. Maybe it might take two. <laughs> no one's going for a hundred, huh? <laughs> one, two. It's not going to take many because as soon as I start saying this to people, people are going to come up and say, uh-uh, that's not going to work. My Aunt Betsy, she tried that. It didn't work for her. But see, your faith wasn't based on her Aunt Bessie. Your faith was based on the Word of God. You got something. You got an image of a thing. You got something built up. Now, let me ask you this about this woman. Is there any place in the Word of God that says... If you touch the hem of Jesus' garment, you will be healed. This is interesting. There's no place in the Word of God that commanded her to do that. Was there anyone in the Word of God up to this point that touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed? No, it wasn't. So what did she get this... How did this come about? How did this faith come about? And why is this faith legitimate? Because she didn't base it on the Word of God that said, if you do this, she didn't base it on an example of someone who did it and got healed. 
Didn't happen at all. What what did Jesus base spitting on the ground, making mud, and spreading on the guy's eyes? Or putting his finger in a guy's ear? What did he base that on? Anything anything that you can think of? But obviously there was faith involved and there was a it worked. Can't argue with that. It worked. So there, there has to be something that we can base this thing on. But she, she studied. On the, she heard the words that were spoken about Jesus. And she heard about how He was healed. And she knew of her limitations. She looked at herself and said, I'm nobody special. He's not going to pay any attention to me. I'm not really going to get any attention. No one has given me attention so far. And a thought came in. You know, people laid hands on Him or He laid hands on people and they got healed. There's power in Him. There's power in Him. If I can just get close enough to that power, I can access that power. That power is in Him. That's all that she's basing it off of because she doesn't really have anything else. We rephrase the uh, the verse here in your outline into this, this way. Someone touched me with the expectation to receive something and extract power out from me to produce what was needed. When Jesus said, someone touched me, He is saying, someone touched me with the expectation to receive something and extracted power out from me to produce what was needed. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? Because the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? A whole mess of people all around you. Everybody's touching you. What do you mean who touched you? Someone touched me with the expectation to receive something and extracted power out from me to produce what was needed. Someone did that. Here in this crowd. A whole lot of other people were touching them, but only one person accessed power in him. So just touching Jesus isn't going to make it work. You had to touch Jesus with an expectation to receive something. No one else did it. Could everyone else have? If Jesus if it worked it for this one woman, why wouldn't it work for anybody else? But no one else did it. Everybody else is just touching Jesus without expectation. If you go into prayer without expectation, you'll be like the multitude who's touching Jesus and not getting anything. But if you go into prayer with expectation, you'll find that your prayers are shorter, more effective. There's faith mixed in with them. You'll be one of those people who gets what you need. Your faith manifesting as expectation has made you well. Another paraphrase of what he said. Your faith manifesting as expectation has made you well. When he says your faith has made you well, he's saying your faith manifested as expectation. That's what made you well. Expectation, folks. It's an ingredient we need in our prayer. Now look over here at verse 35. On the same... Whoops, wrong one. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said... Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, He said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, 
only believe. If you don't think that Jesus thinks expectation is important, look at how He responds to this. This ruler comes to Him with an expectation. He comes to Him with faith. If you'll come and lay hands on my daughter, pray over my daughter, she will be healed. He says, I'll come. And so he's on his way. And as he is going, this bad news comes. Your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And he hears that and he knows what that's going to do to the fellow's expectation. So he turns to him and says, do not disbelieve. Do not be afraid. Only believe. You, you, you got to believe. You got to stay here in this believing mode. Jesus knows that expectation is vital. Do not be afraid. Only believe. See, fear and expectation are not in the same, same place. If you have expectation, you don't have fear. You know, example of, of such, you know, you, if you like to, if you like to go into caves, how many of you all like to go into caves? Caves are, I think caves are cool. I love caves. Some people go into caves and they would have fear of that cave. They don't want to go into the cave. There's fear. I don't know what's in the cave. The cave might collapse on me. All this kind of stuff. We can think of all kinds of bad things about the cave. There's stuff that probably lives in that cave. There's things that might come after me in that cave. That cave's going to be wet and slimy. There's probably disease and germs and all. We come up with all this stuff and there's fear. But then there's other people out there who look at the cave with expectation. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> A cave. Now, you look at the two people. The one has expectation. Is there any fear? No, fear's gone. What? Fear? No, this is good. This is a cave. This is a cave. There's no, there's no fear there. There's expectation. The people that are in fear of the cave is their expectation. Expectation of bad things, <laughs> but not expectation of good things. And you can take that right on down the, down the line. How many of you ever wanted to go scuba diving? If you like to go scuba diving, you're thinking, expectation. Oh, be down there. Look at all that. Oh, that would be good. But some people will say, no. <laughs> Instead of expectation, they have fear. fear. I'm afraid of all the... There's, there's sharks down there. There's things that crawl on the bottom. There's things that could bite me. I don't, I don't like being down. I don't want to be under the water. I might drown. And we have fear, not expectation. Fear. Now you can. Now we don't just have look at adventurous things. Some people will look at you know getting a group of uh, people together and and so. How many people get excited about that? Group of people to get together and and so this would be good. There would be expectation about that. For me, fear. <laughs> What if someone sees me? <laughs> right? right? No, that's not a fear. <laughs> no fear on that one. But you see, fear 
and expectation are opposites. In whatever situation you're in, you're either going to have expectation or fear. And if you have fear, you have lost expectation. And if you have expectation, you've lost fear. There's no fear in a thing. It's all a matter what you're going to do. Expectation or fear. Up till now, this guy has had expectation. But now all of a sudden, something entered in that can produce fear. Oh. Fear. I heard a story of a guy who was talking about, he was a, he's a, he's a Texan, I believe, and he was out in the desert somewhere and he was just sitting there on the sand, I guess, resting. And all of a sudden, didn't, didn't hear it come up, but a rattlesnake came on up and crawled over his leg. <laughs> rattlesnake came, crawled over his leg. Now, if you were a normal person, you would probably react <gasps> in fear. And you'd be dead. Because that's all that snake needs and then he's alerted you to the thing and now he's going to turn around and bite you. Because he doesn't, the snake comes into fear. He's not biting you because he's hungry. He's biting you because he's afraid. What is this thing that I'm suddenly upon? Is it going to try and eat me? It's not going to sit there and wait and find out. It's just going to bite you. That's its defense. So he just stayed there calmly and let the rattlesnake just go right over top of his leg and the rattlesnake just continued on. Didn't do a thing to him. Never really even recognized that he was there. <laughs> Fear is not a good thing to have come in. That would have that would have messed you up. You know, if you are out there in the ocean scuba diving and a shark comes upon you and fear comes on you and you say, I need to get out of here. And you start flailing away and swimming and trying to get away from it. It's just like, shark, here I am! Come get me! You want to do that? You want to just stay real still and just watch the shark going by? You're out there in the ocean. You're out there in the desert just enjoying the things that are going on. Then all of a sudden something comes along to change your situation. To get you to react in fear. And the reaction to fear will get you bit. You don't want that to have happen. So immediately pressure comes to change the expectation. There is pressure that is coming in upon this man to expect something different. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. And his expectation becomes deflated. He's, oh, I had such high hopes. So Jesus speaks encouragement to the man who needs the miracle to guard his expectation, but no one else. He only speaks to the man. Doesn't speak to the people who brought the news, does he? He turns to the man and he says to him, don't be afraid. Don't be 
afraid. Only believe. He's not telling that to anyone else. He's only speaking to this one. He just needs this one man to stay in a place of expectation. Understand this. If you begin to speak out, if I do this, God will do this. And you speak it out to other people and they hear you and they pronounce negative things, you do not need them to be in expectation. All you need to be in expectation is you. They cannot stop you from getting what you're going to get. No one else around, around this man was expecting anything and Jesus didn't try and keep them in expectation. Only this guy. It's the only one that mattered. And he permitted no one to follow him. So he took all the rest of them. They were com- Before it was just fine. All the rest of them were there. It was fine that they were coming along. But as soon as this news came, a whole mess of them checked out. And they got into the place of doubt, unbelief. Fear was coming in. And they're speaking fear. Oh, what's, the, what's his wife going to do? I know how close they were. And now she's dead. They're going to keep, keep hearing all this stuff around. He puts them all away. Not, you, got, you, you, you and you. You cannot come. You stay here. You go someplace else. I really don't care. But where we're going, you're not going. He would not permit them to go. Y'all need to stay here. None of you are coming along. Except Peter, James, and John. What about Matthew? Not permitted. What about Judas? Not permitted. All the rest of them. There's nine guys there, the disciples, that are not allowed to go. They got to stay back. Now, that's just the guys. What about the women followed him? Not allowed to go. Only these three. You'd have to assume that these three hadn't gotten into doubt and unbelief. Or at least were neutral. At least they're neutral. Maybe he took the other nine guys and said, you all stay here with them and you do not let them come with us. I don't know what he did with the nine. You have to wait till you get to heaven to find out what happened to them. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, Jesus doesn't like these kind of people around. He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Now understand this. Take a look at this. We have two groups of people that Jesus has put out so far. The first group, it was perfectly fine with Jesus that they follow. Wasn't it? He didn't stop any of them. Perfectly fine with Jesus that he followed. Did they become more or less faith people when this news came? I mean, really, they were still the same people they were before, weren't they? Weren't they the kind of people who would react to this before? As much as they are now? Really, they didn't change. They were the same people. But before, He was letting them come. Now He's not. Because they activated something in them. They allowed fear to come in and expectation to go away. Before, they're probably going, well, 
let's just go see. Maybe something good will come out of this. And we'll get to see it. They're not necessarily in faith. But once this came, oh, that's it for this one. Then he comes into the room where all the people are wailing. And he says, why do you make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Now, if anyone then had said, I believe you, let's go wake her up. Would they have been permitted to stay? Absolutely. But they all start laughing at him. And so he says, all right, you're all out of here. Get out of this place. Jesus does not like an atmosphere that is lacking in expectation. He can take it being neutral. But he does not like it lacking in expectation. When he comes in and he speaks something, he wants people to expect that what he said was going to happen. He wants that. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years old. And they were overcome with great amazement. Were they in faith? <laughs> no. <laughs> not if you are overcome with great amazement. You are probably not in faith. But at least they stayed neutral. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and said that something should be given her to eat. So just understand this from the Word of God. If someone dies and comes back to life, feed them. <laughs> That's generally what Jesus does. When they're dead, they come back to life, He generally feeds them. Tell somebody, to go, get over there and feed the, feed the girl, feed the boy. Do something. <laughs> so just know if you ever die and come back to life, you will probably be hungry. And so just turn to the people that are around you and say, do like Jesus said and get, something, get me something to eat. That's all you got to do. <laughs> well, there's, there's expectation that needs to come, up, come upon us. Turn over to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verse 7. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea, and Jerusalem, and Idumea, and beyond the Jordan, and those from Tyre and Sidon. A great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. Why did they come? Because they heard of all these great things. We went in on that. So did they come neutral? No, they came with expectation. You don't make this kind of a trip without something. They're making some, some great trips here. All that come over here where Jesus is, they're expecting something. They're not just expecting nothing. So He told His disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for Him because of the multitude, lest they should crush Him. So as He's gathered by the, by the shore... You know, they're all pressing around him and they said, just give me an escape route. Let me get in the boat. For he healed many so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And the unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried out saying, you are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. I'll go back up here to verse 9. 
Verse, I'm sorry, verse, verse 10. For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him. They pressed about him. The word here in the Greek is phlebosin. It means to press his grapes and to press hard upon. When you, when you press grapes, you don't just, you know, squeeze them a little bit. You gotta get all that stuff out of it. Harder you press, the more you get out of it. This is the word that's being used here. We have this word being used over in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Pull that up on the screen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Matthew chapter 7. <laughs> There we go. Entered by the narrow gate, for the wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. 14. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. Go back to verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go by it. The word is translated difficult or narrow here. It's the same word. The word for press. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Go to verse 14. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And we've talked about this verse before. But here's what you see here. The idea being that pressures, tribulations, and such things will come and make the way narrow by compressing upon it. The way is made narrow by outside things coming and pressing upon it. That's what the idea is. How many have ever had a garden hose and you're watering the garden and you're pulling it along and you're watering and all of a sudden as you pull it along, the water stops. You ever had that happen? What happened? Something pressed upon the hose to cause it to restrict the flow of water. This is what is being talked about here. When it says narrow is the way, it's not just talking about a way that God made narrow. This is not what the idea is. A lot of times we have this idea that God made a narrow way because He didn't want that many people on it. It's not that the way is made narrow by God. When He uses this word, the way is made narrow by outside influences. By outside things coming in and pressing upon the way. By pressing upon the gate. And making it smaller. And by pressing in and by doing this, it is harder to get through. But it's not harder because God wants it to be harder. It's harder because there are outside pressures that come in to press it. When you press grapes, you use something outside of the grape to press it. You have a grape press. You put the grapes in the grape press and the pressure is applied by something outside of the grape. That's the idea that's being used here. Narrow is the gate. This is a way that is made narrow by... Obstructions. Things have gotten in the way. Few are they who find it. So you have it first off, 
that it is that it is narrow. The way is made narrow, is made difficult by outside influences. Narrow is the gate. The way is made narrow by an obstruction. That's where the gate comes in. And few who find it. There are few. There are many who seek it. There's many who goes along the way. But these pressures, these outside things, these obstacles at the gate, keep them from getting in. Keep them from going along the path and continuing on. So the sick pressed upon him to touch him. The sick come in and they press. They are outside influences. They are out here pressing upon Jesus. Pressing upon Him. If, if everyone is out there pressing with this kind of aggressiveness, with this kind of way, it's, it's, doesn't it get tough to get in there? So what is it that drives them to get in there to touch Jesus? Expectation. Expecta- they have expectation to get in there. i got to get in there and touch Jesus. i got to get in there and do something. I need to, I need to move. I need to get going. Because there's an expectation there. I need to get over where Jesus is. I need Him to lay hands on me. I need Him to speak to me. I need Him to drive out the demon. I, whatever it is I need, i got to get over there to where Jesus is. There's one Jesus, there's a whole lot of us. And we look at that and we, we look at the way. Would there be a wide open way? And Jesus is just over there. We have all these nice aisles and I can just walk down the aisle and get to Jesus? No, there's a crowd. And they're all thronging Him. They're all pressing upon Him. And if I want to get in there, I've got to fight through. I've got to press in. I've got to keep going. And the thing that keeps me going is... But an expectation that says, I know if I touch the hem of His garment, I will be whole. Most people approach Jesus with an expectation that says, I hope that if I do this, this will happen. Now, if you have that, I hope that if I do this, this will happen. And you look at the, the, the line that's there, you look at the people that are there, Oh, I don't know if I can get through all that. Mm-hmm. Nah, just forget it. It's not a big deal. I don't know anything's going to happen anyway. I just was, you know, going to try and get on in there. You don't know. Expectation. What is the expectation that we have for getting in another thing? Now, Christian and I, we were going to go out and we heard that a couple of ex-Eagle players, or current Eagle, I forget which ones they were, but last year they were, they were showing up someplace. And so uh, we were heading out on a bed delivery and we thought, well, we're going to go right on by there. We'll stop on in and see what happens. Well, we got on by the place, could not park inside the spot. So we, all right, we'll park beyond it. And we parked beyond it and walked our way on back into there to find out, you know, get on, get on close. And then the, the CEO, what's going to happen? Well, all that it was was a signing thing. You know, you just get out there on the table and they're going to sign whatever it is that you have and uh, is what we thought. And so uh, we kind of just moseyed around in there to find out and found out that the signature cost money. That you had to pay a certain amount of money to get the signature. Then you had to buy something to get them to sign it. We heard, we saw all that. Nah. <laughs> our, our expectation wasn't that high that we really wanted the signature all that much. So we just packed it back up and went on out. But you know, we could have. It was a long line too. That line went all through and all into the store and and 
Nah, we don't. We don't need that. We'd be waiting that line for probably an hour, and you got to spend all this money to. to nah. See, our expect our expectation wasn't such that we need that signature. But when you get your faith up to the point, I need what God has. I need what He's providing for me. I need this thing. Your expectation is higher, and you'll press in through any crowd. Through anything, any doubt, any unbelief that comes your way. Because it's all over. As soon as you begin to speak with your mouth, your expectation for what your prayer is going to do, what happens around people around you? That's not going to happen. No, I, I was hoping that would work for me too, but it didn't. Yeah, I used to believe that stuff. Oh, you're one of those kind of people. And you get all these kind of things and it just gets you to want to Keep your mouth shut and not be so vocal about it. Not be saying that. Uh, what if it doesn't happen? What if this goes on this way? And all these things begin to press in and they begin to quiet you down and they begin to get your expectation to be less than it was before. What does Jesus say? Don't be afraid. Oh, don't be afraid. Expectation. Fear. One's going to replace the other. You either have expectation of great things coming or fear of great things coming. And one will cancel out the other one. And you'll go on out there and you won't you won't do the thing. Remember I told you that story, that burned out house, me and a cross country guy were gonna go through. <laughs> we had great expectation about that house, and that house lived up to every bit of our expectation. It was wonderful walking all through there. Climbing up the steps, seeing the burned out walls and the burned out steps and a whole floor gone, spurned away. We walked through the whole house, thoroughly thrilled. Never one time did we have the slightest fear that anything bad would happen to us. Never. Didn't come. We had expectation. Oh, we're here. We're in the house. Let's check out the, let's check out the next floor. Let's check out the basement. Let's go in over here. Oh, I told you the story. You know, the next day, one of our other buddies heard our story and our expectation and our thrill of going through. And so he went through and nearly got killed. <laughs> nearly got killed. Walking up on the, the, the uh, second floor, he started going up some of the steps to go into the third floor that wasn't there anymore and ended up in the basement. <laughs> Suddenly. Like the Bible says, suddenly. <laughs> suddenly he was in the basement. <laughs> yeah. The rest of that story was, as me and the, our buddy, we were running by the same house the night, very next day and we saw this guy on the porch, dazed. We waved at him and he didn't wave back. He told us at dinner later on, I said, sorry, sorry guys, I just was a little dazed. I just <laughs> went straight on down. And you know, that's going from the second floor down to the basement. Wouldn't camp and get on the third floor because the third floor didn't exist anymore. And this is a mansion house. This is not a little rinky-dink house. This is a mansion house. But now, if you ever ask me, well, what happens if you find another burned-out house? Will you have expectation or fear? I will have expectation, and I will take my son and we will go inside. <laughs> but you see, it's it's one or the other. You're either going to have expectation, or you're going to have fear. You've got to stay on the side of expectation. Don't be afraid. Well, what happens if it doesn't happen? What are people going to think of me? No. 
Can't do that. Don't walk in that way. Turn over to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. If Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins... If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Expectation, folks, not fear. This is what you can expect. We need to make sure that we go into prayer. When we go into prayer of supplication, prayers of intercession, prayer of dedication, prayer of petition. When we go into these kind of prayers, we go in with expectation, not fear. I go in there expecting God to do great things, not afraid that it won't happen. Not afraid that people will Look at me and say, well, it didn't work for you. Expectation. Make sure we stay in there with, with the expectation and not get in there with the fear. That's what we need to have for prayer. Expectation is such an important ingredient in faith. You folks who like to bake, it's like not, having, not adding the baking powder or the baking soda for the recipe as it calls for it. What happens to the recipe? I mean, it's just a small part of what you put in. If you're baking bread and you don't put in the yeast, that's just a little bit of thing. I remembered all the flour. I remembered the water. It's just, a, it's just that little time. It don't matter. <laughs> you don't get that little tiny bit of stuff. You don't get that expectation in. You allow fear to come in. I mean, at least stay neutral. Apparently, from the Word of God, at least if you stay neutral, that's better. Do not let fear get in. But even better, get in that area of expecta- area of expectation. Get in there like the woman. I'm going to press through this crowd. I'm going to fight my way through. And I'm going to get there. And I'm going to access the power of God. And Jesus didn't even know about it. Jesus wasn't even ready for it. There it comes. Expectation. Huge ingredient in prayer. And it takes a mature person. It takes one who's built up to be able to stand up against the pressures of this world. The outside influences that come in and try and crush you in that. To try and narrow the way and make the way very, very difficult. That's what they try and do. Because when, when you get this word in here that they are making the way narrow, it's not like it's real small and you just, you know, you can just kind of walk along. You just got to stay on it. No. These things are pressing in upon you and you're working your way through and you're, it's, it's a fight all the way on through. Because these things are coming in to try and keep you from getting there. And where you say, you know, it's just, it's such a fight. It's such a battle. You keep on pressing on. You keep on going. And you keep that expectation. I know what's at the end. And I'm going to keep on going into there. Father, we thank you for expectation. We thank you that it's fed through your word. As your spirit opens up your word to us, we can begin to expect things. Oh, if I do this, you will do this. I know it. I see it now. And we begin to do that. We begin to press on. No matter how much negative stuff comes against us. No matter how much stuff comes in to try and replace fear for expectation. We will do as Jesus said. Do not fear. Only believe. 
And Father, we thank you for the help that gives us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.